Hello everybody, what a great time of year, it's the week of Christmas, the weather's been fantastic, uh, families are in town, and I want to give you guys a bonus show. This show originally was for our Patreon members, they got to experience it for a couple weeks, and I got with Michael Justin, and we've decided that, you know, this is really a cool place, actually it's the mecca of animation, and Dan is an incredible guy who runs this organization, and we really wanted to share it with you, so I hope you guys Enjoy the show and have an incredible, credible day. Round one is over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sip. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. Beyond. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Dads Podcast. We're a show that's a little bit about us, a lot about Disney, but more importantly, fun for the whole family. And that little bit about us, where I'm happy to have my great buddy, my brother Justin is back from Disney World, and uh, I got my buddy Jason here, and I can't wait to talk about Justin's trip tonight. But before we get into that, Jason, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, I'm doing good, and I'm going to cut you guys both off early here because I got a special treat for you guys. The absolute beginning of Disney World, because I'm excited for Justin, but hold on a second, I want to get this out here, okay? The absolute beginning to Disneyland starts where? Justin, you're a, you're a you're a trivia guy. Kansas City, Not Marcelina, di- Missouri. That's right, that's right. And specifically, where at? Where does animation? Where is the absolute mecca of animation? Laughagram Studios, my friend. Laughagram Studios. Yes, that's right. And guess what? I got in touch with the uh, foundation that runs that, that owns that. I spoke directly to the guy who uh, is uh, spearheading this Very and cool. actually is the yeah. one who acquired the property. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to share that with you guys before we get into the show, Justin, because I know everything, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get everything um, about your trip recap. But let me go ahead and drop this in now. And then we'll uh, we'll save we'll save you for afterwards. Is that fair enough? A hundred percent. You kidding me? Anything about Walt? I will take second fiddle to. So let's do this. Everybody, I have Dan Veets with me. He is an attorney in Missouri. In fact, he's recognized as one of the best lawyers in Missouri. He's a Kansas super lawyer, America's top 100 criminal defense attorney, a lawyer of distinction. Let me tell you guys, but what does that have to do with Disney, Jason? This is a Disney show, right? Well, we like to keep it that way, guys. And I've got a special treat for you because this guy right here, has written and published articles about Missouri Disney history. He's credited with assisting the authors of half a dozen Disney biographies, lectured at the Walt Disney Family Museum, as well as uh, been able to lecture for cast members at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Above all, guys, follow me here. 
He is also the man behind Thank You Walt Disney Inc. And Dan, what is this thing? Well, this is a thing that we created about 20 years ago, in fact, to uh, purchase the site of Walt Disney's first professional film studio, the Laugh-O-Gram Studio in Kansas City, Missouri. And the organization has been working since then, first just to preserve this building because it was scheduled to be demolished by the city of Kansas City when we bought it. So we took on the risk that they might go ahead and tear it down. They would have billed us for the uh, work of hauling it off to the dump if that had happened. But fortunately, we were able to, to keep the wolf at bay. We kept the city uh, from tearing the building down while we raised the money that was necessary in order to stabilize the building. So we did stabilize it. And although people may drive by and think, well, this still looks the way it's always looked, um, and it took a lot to accomplish that. Uh, indeed, we had to pour a new first floor inside the building. We've installed a new second floor, the the, the uh, uh, supports and the flooring for the new second floor. We put a new roof on the building. Um, it's listed on the National Register of Historic Places, and it's also on the Kansas City Landmarks Commission's list. But it might very well have been torn down nonetheless. Uh, being on the register does not afford any protection by itself. So we believed it was very important to save this landmark of not only Walt's history, but the history of, of virtually all of Hollywood animation can trace its roots to this building. When I'm looking at this building, just through pictures, because I have Google Earth that I have street viewed it. I'm looking at you know people that are fans of the show who are posting pictures of it. I don't see just a corrupt building. I see a place that Walt Disney himself went to every single day. Now, tell me, how does that feel to, to – I know you're a big Disney guy. I mean, it's you're feeling in it as your heart as well as, as I do. What does it feel like to know that this is a place that Walt Disney every morning came to at the very beginning. Have you ever, and that was question number one, and, and question number two is, have you ever gone there by yourself and just kind of just took it in, took in the ambience, took in the energy, and just felt Walt around you? I know that sounds a little weird, but have you ever done that? No, that's exactly right. The first day that I located this building, and of course other people knew uh, of its historic significance, but there were no markings. So I was doing research at the Kansas City Public Library. They have a file of correspondence with Walt Disney in there. And uh, uh, that I remember that day uh, that I thought, well, I wonder if this building still stands. There were references to the Lafferty Building. Uh, it was never officially called that. It was called the McConaughey Building and the Carroll Building at one point. Um, but I just I, I thought, well, I'll drive over and see if there's anything left of that building. And indeed, the fact that it was still standing was exciting. Um, that building was actually designed by a noted uh, Kansas City architect, Nell Peters, one of the very few independent female architects working in the whole country in the 1920s. But she designed hundreds of commercial buildings in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, they are all regarded as historically significant now because she was their designer. The, the building itself was important to Walt not only as a workplace, but it was also where he lived. He gave up his apartment shortly after he leased his uh, studio at the McConaughey building, uh, and he began to actually live there. And he said that he slept on a pile of canvas. I don't know why they had canvas uh, laying around, but that's how he told the story. And he told the story many times. 
He said that he uh, would uh, would uh, sleep there at night and that mice would come out and his employees' lunches, uh, the crumbs and leftovers of the lunches would be in a wire waste basket. And so he watched these mice take food out of that wire waste basket and then he began to put out food for them and he began to see if he could lure those mice closer to him. And he said that one little mouse was braver than the others and that mouse actually was tamed and became his pet and lived in a drawer of his desk sometimes and in a small cage at other times and played on his drawing board while he worked at the Lapagram building. And five years later, when he had lost Oswald the Rabbit, uh, his animated character, uh, he, uh, he was inspired uh, to create uh, Mickey Mouse by the pet mouse he kept in the Lapagram building. The work he did at the Lapagram building actually set the pattern for his entire incredible career in filmmaking. Walt Disney, of course, is the greatest filmmaker who ever lived, not only in animated films, but in live action films. He won. I, I say that not only as a subjective opinion, but because Walt Disney won far more Academy Awards than anyone else ever has or very likely ever will. Uh, 30 Academy Awards, 30 Oscars for the films he produced during his lifetime. So the greatest filmmaker who ever lived began his filmmaking career uh, in this building. Um, he made short animated films which were based on classic fairy tales and children's stories and that's of course essentially what he did for the rest of his filmmaking career so his work at Lampogram was very important the films that he made there were of course short films they were black and white they were silent as all films were at that time we're talking 1921 through 1923 um, and and but they stand up very well uh, at least uh, five of those films are still in existence and uh, they're available. They're hard to find, but they're available. And when you compare them to the best animation being done at that time in uh, New York and New Jersey, uh, they really do. They really do stand up very well. And for a young artist who was self-taught, uh, he didn't know any professional animators. He literally went along with his pal Ub Iwerks to the Kansas City Public Library and checked out books there, which he used to teach himself how to animate drawings. Now his boss, his, his previous job, when he came back from World War I to Kansas City, um, his, his first job of any uh, significance of any duration was working for the Kansas City Film Ad Company, which had been known as the Kansas City Slide Company previously. And initially, he was making uh, four by four inch glass uh, slides, which were hand etched and hand tinted. And, and they are very collectible in themselves. These, these old four by four inch glass slides are really beautiful, uh, little works of art. Uh, we don't know which ones Walt did, but I have a large number of these lapogram uh, or rather, excuse me, Kansas City Slide Company uh, advertising slides. So these slides were sent out to uh, uh, the entire Midwest region. They were created to uh, promote uh, local businesses for the most part, but also coming attractions at film theaters and at vaudeville houses all over the Midwest. Uh, that company was run by Mr. Arthur Vern Cogger, A.V. Cogger. Uh, not audio video, but Arthur Byrne. Uh, Arthur Byrne Cogger was a great guy. Uh, and, and I say that because everyone who ever worked for Mr. Cogger seemed to really love him. Uh, Walt was uh, clearly a, a big fan of, of Mr. Cogger. Mr. Cogger 
let Walt take his camera home. I mean, that's probably the single most important piece of technology that studio uh, had. Uh, but Mr. Cogger let Walt borrow that camera and take it home at night. And uh, so Walt did work in his dad's garage and made a few very short films there. But his first professional film studio, when he left Mr. Cogger's company to strike out on his own, uh, when he believed he was capable of making animated films, uh, was this one, was, was the Lavagram Studio at the McConaughey Building at 31st and Forest Streets in Kansas City. Now, as I said, he not only worked there, uh, but he lived there as well. Um, and uh, so the building has a great deal of historic significance to Walt's career and to the development of animation generally. Not only did the mouse that inspired the creation of Mickey uh, live with Walt uh, in that building, but the other young animators who worked for Walt Disney uh, in Kansas City and who worked with him uh, in some cases at the Kansas City Film Ad Company uh, followed Walt to, to Hollywood. Now, Walt went bankrupt in Kansas City. He had been cheated uh, by a, a film producer affiliated with a, a church in Tennessee. Um, they had given him a contract to make uh, these short animated films, but they were only going to pay him when they were all completed. Well, he completed the films and then they went bankrupt, which in turn forced him into bankruptcy. So he, he, uh, he didn't have Roy with him at that point. Roy had already gone out west. Roy had contracted tuberculosis during World War One, and his doctors had advised him to go to Arizona, and then he went on to uh, to Hollywood, to Sawtell, a suburb of Los Angeles, where uh, there's a veterans hospital, and that's where Roy was at that point. So without Roy's help, uh, Walt made some some unwise business decisions, and that contract itself, and and allowing himself to be cheated by this this company out in Tennessee, uh, were reflections of that fact. I mean, by himself, Walt probably would have never really become famous, but Walt and Roy were a powerful combination. So fortunately, when Walt went bankrupt in Kansas City, instead of going east to Hollywood, where most films were being made at that, or to uh, New York rather, where most films were being made at that time, he chose instead to go to Hollywood, where the film industry was just beginning. And there were no animators in Hollywood. Walt went there not intending to become an animator, even though he had his one reel of film, the first of the Alice comedies, Alice's Wonderland, in his suitcase. When he went to Hollywood, he wanted to become a director or an actor. Uh, he did not initially intend to be an animator, uh, but he found that no one was hiring uh, directors with no experience or actors with no experience. And so Roy persuaded him to fall back on what he did know, and that was making animated films, of course. Walt and Roy uh, stayed uh, with their Uncle Robert, and Uncle Robert uh, had a garage behind his home, just like Walt and Roy's father, Elias, had a garage behind his home in Kansas City. And, and again, that's where Walt began experimenting with Mr. Cogger's camera. Um, so they get out to Hollywood. They begin working in Uncle Robert's uh, garage. Uncle Robert had lived in, in uh, Kansas City and had moved out to Hollywood not long before that. Um, and the two of them actually created the first of the Alice comedies. Just the two guys working together created uh, uh, the first Alice comedy, which was released in theaters. And when they, and they got a contract, of course, with uh, Margaret Winkler of New Jersey uh, to make a series of Alice comedies. They had to get the same little girl. Mrs. Winkler said, I'll give you this contract to make the Alice comedies only if you get that same little girl that appeared in the first one. Well, that little girl, Virginia Davis, uh, and her family lived in Kansas City. 
But Walt persuaded the Davises to move to Hollywood just so Little Virginia could appear in these little one reel uh, animated films. Now, the, the premise of the Alice comedies was that the uh, live action character of Alice portrayed by Virginia Davis would remain a live action character even when she went into dreamland or uh, cartoon land, as he called it. In each of these episodes, Alice would either get conked on the head or inhale laughing gas or just fall asleep and, and go into cartoon land. But she would remain a live action character interacting with animated uh, uh, and other animated characters uh, and with uh, an animated environment. So uh, those films were very important. Those films gave Walt his start in Hollywood. And when he realized that he was going to have a, a, a going concern, a, 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 an operating film studio, he called on his old friends from Kansas City to join him there. And Ub Iwerks was the first who came out there. Walt recognized Ub's tremendous talent and uh, persuaded Ub that his future was in Hollywood and that he should come on out there. In fact, Ub wound up driving the Davis family's car out to Hollywood while they took the train. And so uh, Ub and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Davis, Alice's, uh, or rather uh, Virginia's parents, um, all arrived in Hollywood at the same time. And as the Disney Brothers studio uh, began to uh, to grow, uh, he called on his other friends from the Kansas City Slide Company, Film Ad Company, and also uh, other young men who had worked with him at Laughagram in Kansas City. Now, these guys in particular, uh, Hugh Harmon and Rudolph Ising, uh, became uh, very important to the early Disney studio. In fact, all of the artists in the very, very earliest days of, of the Disney studio in Hollywood, all of them were from Kansas City. But uh, Harmon and Ising, Hugh Harmon, that is, and Rudolph Ising, were especially important to the development of the entire Hollywood animation industry. Because when they left Disney, uh, they became the founding animators at the Warner Brothers Animation Studio. And of course, next to Disney, Warner Brothers was probably the most important animation operation in Hollywood in those days. They also trained uh, trained a couple of guys named Hannah and Barbara how to animate uh, along the way. And uh, another another Kansas Cityan who followed Walt out to Hollywood was uh, Frizz Freeling, also uh, actually uh, known on his birth certificate as Isidore Freeling. But... Uh, but universally known as Frizz Freeling. Frizz Freeling of Kansas City became one of Walt's animators and then again went to work for Warner Brothers where he was for decades, working with the great uh, animation or uh, great uh, uh, composer and uh, musician Carl Stalling. Carl Stalling was also from Kansas City and you see Carl Stalling's credit for the music on virtually all of the early uh, Looney Tunes and uh, Silly Symphonies uh, produced by Warner Brothers. So, uh, you know, another another Kansas City and who did not actually go there to work for Walt Disney but was very important to early Hollywood animation uh, was uh, was uh, Joe Hardaway and and Joe Hardaway's uh, uh, nickname was Bugs and so uh, the uh, he went to work at Warner Brothers and the studio was producing a film that featured a rabbit character. Well, Joe Hardaway sketched this rabbit character and, and the other folks in the studio were referred to it as Bugs's Bunny. Bugs with an apostrophe, the possessive form. So Bugs's Bunny uh, morphed into Bugs Bunny. And that's where the name of Bugs Bunny came from. He's actually named after Joe Hardaway uh, of Kansas City, Missouri. So, um, you know, and, and, and at a later point, 
Harmon and Ising became the founding animators at MGM. MGM had a very good uh, animation division, uh, and they won some Academy Awards for some of their films there, some of their animated films. So when you put together the Disney studio, Warner Brothers studio, Hanna-Barbera, MGM, uh, and and Friz Freeling, of the, of later of the DePatie Freeling studio, whose most famous character was the Pink Panther, that is almost the entire Hollywood animation industry. And it was all begun uh, by uh, guys who started out in Kansas City and for the most part worked with Walt Disney uh, in Hollywood before uh, branching out and, and founding uh, Warners and MGM and DePatie Freeling and so forth. That was simply incredible, Dan. You are a wealth of knowledge, and uh, and I see that in your um, in your bio there that you've, uh, you've you've given some lectures. Then, do you when, where where have you given lectures from? And did you talk about pretty much the same thing we're talking about now, or do you, do you go on other areas of history with Walt Disney? Well, I'll I'll give a lecture anywhere I'm invited to, to speak. But I've uh, I've spoken uh, as a member of the Missouri Humanities Council Speakers Bureau for about 20 years, um, and so of course all over the state of Missouri, libraries and and church groups and and. Uh, uh, schools, uh, but I've also, and I'm, I'm very proud of having been invited to speak to cast members at Disneyland. Uh, that was a great occasion. That was many years ago, but we uh, did the presentation uh, at the Opera House, uh, where Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln uh, is uh, uh, is performed, of course. Um, so we we. Uh, we did a lecture at the Opera House and then got to go up to Walt's apartment above the fire station after that. That was a special treat. I've also been invited and have spoken at, uh, at Disney World, um, and I believe it was at the Odyssey building uh, down in, in Epcot. Uh, but again, it was for uh, cast members uh, of Disney. I, I spoke to the, uh, oh, I spoke to the Disneyana uh, uh, fan organization out in Hollywood many years ago, um, and uh, Oh, I'm, I'm sure there are many others that I'm, I'm not recalling right now. Sure, sure. Now, the direction of it's the direction of your um, of the Laughagram Studio down there with um, Thank You Walt Disney Inc. Um, the it's the, your your 3D animation, your 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 pictures. Uh, that's a pretty bold initiative uh, as far as architectural goes. Who who guy who came up with um, this? Is what we want to do for the future of this building? Uh, was that you personally? Was it a was it kind of your team? Well, it's a collaboration. Yes, okay. certainly a team of people. And over the years, you know, the team has changed. But uh, we've had uh, we've had the benefit of being able to work with many talented people over the years, architects as well as artists. And uh, you know, the, the the plan is not set in stone, uh, and it has evolved over the years. But we certainly do intend to uh, to uh, create a a recreation of Walt Disney Studio. Fortunately, there are quite a few photographs and even moving pictures of the interior of the Lavagram Studio uh, in Kansas City. So it, it will not be uh, terribly difficult to recreate that studio uh, exactly as it appeared when Walt worked there. At one point, he had as many as 11 employees and uh, I believe he occupied five rooms on the second floor at the West End uh, of the uh, of the Lavagram building. Um, what we uh, intend to do, of course, is to recreate those rooms as they appeared when Walt occupied them um, and uh, devote another 
uh, area of the building to exhibits that tell the story of the great animators uh, from Kansas City and how they had an impact on the creation of, of Hollywood animation. We call Kansas City the cradle of Hollywood animation. Of course, there was a lot of animation being done before Walt Disney, but not in Hollywood. Walt Disney was the very first Hollywood animator. So uh, we also are planning to uh, to incorporate uh, education for especially for young people, but but also for people in the profession of uh, of animation. Uh, there is a great deal of of special effects work being done in Kansas City uh, for major Hollywood studios even today. Um, so we hope to uh, we hope to set up some cutting edge. Uh, uh, technology there uh, and uh, assist people who want to become animators and assist people who all are already involved in the profession of animation. I um, I have the luxury of uh, meeting Chad Stewart. He was a former animator with Disney and uh, we just did a show with him not too long ago. And let me tell you what, the talent that comes from these animators is just unbelievable. So that's very exciting uh, in the direction that you want to take this. Um, going back, and I, and I know you're kind of pressed on time here, Dan, but I, I wanted to go back to your, um, when you when you went into this building for the first time, um, and you said you redid the second floor. Was there anything that was there that is original to when Walt was there? Well, the woodwork, for instance, appeared to be original, but what had happened uh, unfortunately, is that much of that building had collapsed in on itself when we acquired it. The folks who had owned it for the past few decades had actually operated a, a pool hall in the corner uh, location of that building. Um, and and the, the ground floor had been various retail uh, operations. In fact, when Walt was there, uh, there was a restaurant uh, at the West End called the Forest Inn Cafe run by uh, some uh, people who were of Greek heritage, uh, and they were very kind to Walt, and they allowed him to run up a tab and, and uh, continue to eat there. One day, one of the one of the uh, folks who ran the Forest Inn Cafe came upstairs and saw Walt eating pork and beans out of a can. They said, well, hey, come on down. We can, we'll give you a little more credit. They had cut him off because he hadn't paid his bill. And he said, hey, I, I don't mind eating beans. I love beans. You know, Walt had a very simple taste when it came to food. He liked chili. He liked beans. He liked hot dogs. Uh, but... Um, uh, you know, another story that goes with this building, uh, there was a shoe repair shop uh, um, downstairs uh, on the first floor of the McConaughey building. And Walt uh, had only one pair of shoes and he had uh, he had his only pair of shoes down there in the repair shop. He got a call from Thomas Diener of the Diener Dental Institute, and they had been discussing producing a film called Tommy Tucker's Tooth. At least that's what, what it ultimately became titled. And it still exists. It's still around. And it is largely a live-action film, but with the animated uh, highlights. Um, and so Mr. Diener says, uh, uh, Dr. Diener uh, says to Walt, well, I've got the money, and he had agreed to pay Walt $500 to create this short educational film about dental hygiene. And uh, he says, come on over and pick up a check and go to work. And Walt says, well, I, I wish I could, Dr. Diener, but uh, I don't have any shoes to wear. My only shoes are in the repair shop downstairs. So Dr. Diener came over and paid off his bill at the repair shop so he could get his shoes out of repairs 
and 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 proceed to make that film. But I mean, these stories illustrate how Walt really was living on the edge at that point. I mean, he's a very young man. He didn't feel deprived. He didn't feel like he was in poverty, but he really was. Uh, he was living on a very low budget, uh, gave up his apartment, uh, ate beans out of a can, uh, had only one pair of shoes, uh, but he was doing what he wanted to do and he felt very happy and very lucky to be doing it. And he was working with some people that turned out to be among the very best in the industry. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Dan, I want to say thank you so much for meeting with me. I know you're a busy guy and and giving us some insights on this incredibly historical building and um, let, let me ask you this. For people that are in the area, um, is there any recommendations as far as uh, what, where they can incorporate? Um, I know it's private property, but the sidewalks, I mean, you know, for them to get pictures and whatnot, are, are they kind of welcome to take a look at that? Sure. Uh, as you say, uh, uh, no one can go inside the yep. building right now, but uh, certainly anyone who's in Kansas City should drive by on 31st Street. It's a block east of Troost, which is a major north-south uh, artery, uh, but uh, 31st and and uh, Forest is the actual address. 1127 East 31st Street uh, is is where the Lafgram building is located. And, and when you see it, you'll see that we've had some artists from the Kansas City Art Institute recreate some of Walt's early images there. So it's, it's not hard to identify the building. Um, it's a constant effort to keep it cleaned up and to keep the trash picked up around that building and keep the grass mowed. Uh, the neighborhood has, has kind of uh, experienced uh, a, uh, a bad period the past few decades uh, most of the real estate in that neighborhood has really gone downhill but uh, that is changing and you know in a way it's fortunate that that happened because if that hadn't happened this building might have been torn down or at least extensively remodeled but uh, the exterior is largely unchanged it's it's almost exactly the way Walt Disney knew it he and his crew would walk up the front center entrance each day uh, to the upper story uh, and uh, did some of their did some of their most important early work there Absolutely. Now, I want to I want to stress this again. This is a this is an organization that is preserving the absolute beginning of animation in America as we know it. So this is this is how incredible this building is. And with that, in the show notes, I have thank you Walt Disney Inc. I've got the uh, the website right there. Please, guys, go visit it. See what these guys are doing. Um, there's a uh, you know you can and, uh, buy some product, or if you want to, you can donate, which is uh, highly recommended because you know it's it's the the um it's everybody that seems like and correct me if i'm wrong this is going to be a group effort to preserve this incredible piece of history and um and and it's like we need everybody's help if possible um dan is there any last things that maybe i forgot that you wanted to mention well i just want to reinforce what you've just said if people would visit our website if they would sign up to make a monthly donation that would be the most effective way to support this effort we are and we have been working for many years now to try to acquire some major grants the main grant that we have acquired is from the Walt Disney family, not from the company yet, but from the family. And the Walt Disney family, especially under Diane Disney, have been very supportive of what we're doing. Um, she recognized the importance of this building to the history of her father's work. And even while she was building the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, uh, she was also very supportive of what we were doing in Kansas City. My last meeting with 
with Diane was uh, was a chance to have dinner with her uh, in Kansas City. We sat right across from the heir to the Hallmark Company. Uh, and uh, you may know that Joyce Hall and Walt Disney were friends, uh, not as young men, but as as older men, as as uh, very successful uh, older gentlemen. Uh, they recognized they had a great deal in common. Um, at any rate, yes, going to the Thank You Walt Disney website, making a monthly contribution is the most valuable thing that people can do to support the work that we're doing. Um, so, Dan, thank you again for your time, taking time out during the day, uh, getting all pretty for me on camera. I appreciate that. And, um, and with that, sir, have a nice day. Thank you, Jason. Please keep in touch. So anyways, guys, this guy was incredibly, I'm telling you, incredibly informative, incredibly intelligent, and he has his hands on an, I listen, iconic building, iconic. So thank you for letting me share that with you guys, and everybody out there around the world, thank you for allowing me to you know, visit with this guy and share it with you. Now, I hope you guys really enjoyed that interview. Listen, that was a little special gift that we wanted to give to you, and I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. And till next time. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you. And remember, always keep it Disney. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin, let the wonder and that's a wrap. This has been YDF Media Productions.